Hey, Doug here from the Armchair Cine Files. If you're anywhere near Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Saturday, June 17th, check out Figuratively Speaking Minis, the proud sponsor of the Armchair Cine Files. She's at Ardcon, an RPG fantasy gathering. She'll be doing live painting sessions. You can check her out. Have a great time in Calgary, and we're thankful for Courtney that for all that she does for us. And also, we miss her in this episode. She couldn't join Jeff and us, and I know she had a lot to say. Figuratively Speaking Minis, 22,000 followers and growing. Can't be wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the Armchair Cinephiles. He is Jeff. I am Doug. We're working on our graphics look. Tonight, one of the things we've been excited about since we started this, reviewing James Gunn movies. Um, the DCEU, although this is Marvel, you know, scream at me if you want. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Unfortunately, we do not have the ever-opinionated and uh, spectacular human being known as Figuratively Speaking Minis with us tonight. Um, tragic, really. Maybe we'll have to do a separate interview with her. Maybe Jeff can do a separate interview with her. We got to go to it in a theater. I'm just going to uh, monologue a bit here. I've been really anti-movie theater for a lot of years, and Jeff and Courtney convinced me to try out one of these more luxury, it's not the one that serves you booze, but it's got the reclining seats. I've been there now twice, and I'm back in love with going to the theater. Oh, yeah. Like, my one of my two big complaints I had, I had three big complaints why I didn't go. Number one, um, there was always an idiot on their phone or talking too loud. That Which you did have last movie. They were really good once the movie started. It was only before the movie. And they okay. were going to leave, and I said that there's at least one more end it's scene. True. And they yeah. sat. You helped them out. The second thing is the audio was always crap. There was always high-end distortion. Uh, decades ago, I had a recording studio. I was a sound engineer, recording engineer in my spare time. Did audio for TV briefly, badly. Um, so I'm... You know, if the audio's crap, especially with, after all the time and care and effort that they do on these things, um, uh, it just makes me nuts. That's gone. The dynamic range of the audio is back. You can hear conversations, and then when it's the overpowering starship, you know, rolling over you, it's, uh, it's spectacular. I can see that my mic is way out of position today. And then the other thing that bugged me is they were always out of focus. Or the corners weren't aligned right, you know, or the color balance was out. It's like, give me a break. Westmark Cinema, north of landmark. us, at Landmark, uh, knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and uh, oh, those seats, anyway. So I'm pretty happy, got to go there with them. Uh, Jeffrey's a big movie fan, I have to yep. say. Um, I don't know where he gets all the money to afford to buy me to go into these things, but I'll have to find out. There's some sort of secret there. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, damn it, loved it. Loved it? That yeah. sounds like an upgrade from when we spoke about it after seeing it. It's a, yeah, it is a big upgrade. I realized that um, I wasn't giving it enough credit for all the things that it had to do um, in the time period it had. If you remember, and, Cor Courtney and I yeah. both said it, it didn't feel like a you know, a 30-hour decade movie. Right. And that's because uh, the script that Gunn put together and whoever else he had on his team, like I'd like to find out who else worked with the script because there was a lot of 
a lot of really good things that seem to be really dialed in uh, well, and it, it was good. Because James Gunn is the only writer credited. What? Yeah. The only writer credited? That's what IMDb says. Okay, we're just going to pause for a moment here, Jeffrey. <laughs> Two words. Superman Legacy. It, That's... It. It increases my excitement for that movie. It's the next movie he's writing. Yeah. It's in the draft. Yeah. Anyway, well, uh, anything you want to start with? I mean, a lot of the stuff you've said, I agree with. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, okay. To start with the movie theater going experience, I love going to the movie theater. And it's only gotten better since I started to go to that specific theater, which is a landmark theater, which is, you know, they're, they're making the seats comfortable. They recline. You're separated from other people, you know, just enough to not feel uncomfortable. Um, they're clean. The sound is great. It's not, you know, your ears aren't ringing when you come out of there. And uh, I just love going to the movie. It like, for me, there's, it eliminates distractions, right? Like you're there to see the movie. You're not looking at your phone. You're not pausing to go to the bathroom or getting interrupted by a kid or something like that, right? You're there. You get way more into a movie. In my opinion and that's why i love going um but yeah just kind of agreeing with what you've said so far i think it was a really good movie it was um especially in contrast to quantumania ant-man quantumania which i just it was the most recent marvel movie that i watched um it's a huge step up from that film and i think uh upon more reflection agreeing with you in terms of like there's a ton of little things that he does right. And they kind of go unnoticed because they're just little things. But if you screw up those little things, yeah, then you get, you know, a subpar product and it stands out. And when you don't notice those things is what makes a better movie. And there's a lot of attention to detail in there and the little things that, that just go right. Yeah, like the meat on the stick thing. Right? Well, they're all like eating that. Yeah. yeah the, so, mistake, but yeah. that's from that's from Guardians of the Galaxy one when he's doing the singing. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. Like it's it's evolved into a cuisine now for them, which is, uh, you know, I I think pretty great. Um, yeah. I don't know that I uh, yeah uh, I I blasted off there. What what have you got? What do you want to go to next? Um, just continuing on that idea, like it's it's a movie, so. To give credit where credit is due to James Gunn, especially since we just found out he's the sole credited writer, he wrote and made a movie, a Marvel movie, that's basically about abuse. It's about childhood trauma. And it it's entertaining and it's well done, but it's a PG-13 Marvel movie that really pushes the envelope of the PG-13. He gets his one F-bomb in there. The... Um, the other experimented on animals are terrifying. Like that's that's Sid from Toy Story on steroids. That's what the high evolutionary is. Yeah. Right. And it's that's what happens when he's allowed Sid from Toy Story is allowed to go rampant. Yeah. And yeah, the, the rest of the the rest of the experimented on animals and creatures and stuff like they're terrifying. They're they're not. You're not going to the store to buy a little stuffy of these 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 creatures like they're well, I, terrifying i might <laughs> i might get one 3d printed but yeah like i, I agree it's just it is a the interesting angle so first of all i don't 
now that you say that, I don't know how he got it past the centers for P the censors for PG thirteen uh, with the abuse thing. The abuse story. So I think I mentioned this right out of the theaters. It's really two movies. It's not one movie. You get the rocket backstory, which is you know could have been a um, would have been better. Well. I'll just say that it's two movies in one. I don't want to go down there because I'm just really happy we got all that. Um, the abuse part, though, is... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not tampered. Is tempered um, by the friends that uh, Rocket makes. The other abused children, if you will. Yeah. Floor, yeah. Teefs, and Lila. They were all so good. They were. They were great. Right, like it's just all so good, and they're sitting and laughing, and how they came up with their names, and all yeah. of those sorts of things. And um, I mean, it's also the story of a creator and his creation. There's sort of the Frankenstein element um, throughout it, but it's told, it's told differently. Like, yes, it is the trope, but I don't think it's fair to compare it to the Frankenstein story mm -hmm. um, with it. Uh, at the at the same time, uh, there's a pause for reflection with the Nebula story, which is also about abuse, and Gamora, which is about abuse. But those stories, because they're adults, adult appearing, and we don't get their childhood story, um, like particularly when I mean Quill's doing the whole hitting on Nebula with you have beautiful eyes. He picked a great. Uh. Come on, man. Yeah. So this this uh, this idea is fleshed out really well um, in a video um, by a YouTuber that I like. Uh, it's called High Top Films. Yeah. And uh, he does a great job of, of really diving deep into this idea. But one of the things he touches on is exactly what you're talking about. In that, like, we see Nebula's um, story of abuse through Thanos in the other movies. We see Gamora's in there. We see that with um, Peter Quill, you know, in the second Guardians movie um, with his uh, ego, the living planet and and all that. And so we've seen this this kind of theme through the Guardians, this team, right? This team of misfits type of idea um, in these other characters. And now we get to see it in Rocket and that kind of, you know, we see a little bit of it with Mantis and Drax, but not as much as the other characters, but uh, that really feels like exactly what James Gunn was going for was, okay, let's, we haven't seen enough of Rocket's story. Let's fill that in. Uh, yeah, I guess the stuff that I've read about it is that Guardians of the Galaxy was always the story about Rocket. Yeah, he has made comments about that. Like, he was the, the protagonist all along. Yeah, but do I believe him? Yeah, it could have just been a sales pitch or something that, you know, he held close to his heart in making these movies. Like, I mean, Quill is obviously the protagonist of the first two movies. Yeah. You know, um, I, yeah, I, I he can't get around that. I think no. the other thing that happened with this movie, I think originally it was probably a, a four or six hour movie. And the reason I say that is I felt shortchanged on Gamora's story. Okay. Like, something had to to suffer, and I think she was the one that suffered. I think that Drax's story slightly suffered. I think Nebula was played for laughs more, or a redemption arc, and, you know, keeping the, the people together. 
So, and that I, I would say is one of my one of my criticisms of it is like I've kind of got this theory that there's certain characters that can't quite. I mean, it's really I should say it's really difficult to have them as main characters or be able to hold their own in a film, be a lead character. And I kind of feel that with characters like um, Drax and Mantis in the way that they're written, I guess I should say. I mean, I guess if they were done well and yeah, I still hold it, It's difficult to do because the way that they're written in these three movies, you only see Mantis in the second and third, but it's, it's for laughs. Right, the way that they speak, their their level of intelligence or lack thereof is written for laughs, and it gets old at some point. And it, I kind of felt that same thing with um, the Harley Quinn movie. Yeah, it's like here's a super popular character that everybody loves. Let's make a movie about her. And it's like, I mean, you're gonna have to really knock it out of the park because her as a character. I don't feel can hold her own unless that story is rock solid. Yes, I agree. I think, um, I believe that we got fortunate with the casting of Dave Batista and Palm in Mantis and Drax, which makes us want to see them more. Uh, yeah, they're acting, you know, but they always, there has to be secondary characters. They're always, you know, there always has to be a Watson. There always has to be that supporting character. The only yeah. ones that I've seen that have made a successful transition, sort of, are, you know, uh, Timon and Pumbaa, Hakuna Matata. Right? Well, am I wrong? Well, I mean, I would argue that they did a really good job with Rocket, but he, I mean, even though the story is about him, he's not in the movie a lot, right? Most of the, well, he's in the flashbacks a lot. His current character, like the present day character of Rocket, is lying on a bed for most of the movie. Yeah. Well, they couldn't have more time, otherwise it would be the, you know, Guardians of the Rocket. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. the title doesn't work. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think that, that character-wise, they did a good job. I, I think I really wasn't enthralled with Sean Gunn, um, the character. No. Like, it was sort of... Yeah. It was you know, like, it was, it was good enough to be a, a side plot. Right, he's got this tiny little side plot about learning how to use zero, and it, it's it's just enough more to be um, to be more than just there. Yeah. What about Warlock? Um, Warlock was interesting. I don't know much about him in the comics in terms of um, again, like his his creation. Right, like he was yeah him and his mother created by the High Evolutionary, and then yeah. where he stands as a character in terms of like, okay, is he childish? Is that like, or was that just a creative decision, right? Does he have the brain of a six-year-old type of idea, right? And he's just super powerful. Um, that I don't know, but um, again, it's like, okay, that's fine as a choice creatively in this movie for the amount of screen time he got. If you're gonna go and make a separate movie about Adam Warlock, he better have evolved by that time to the point where it's like palpable or palatable to 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 watch a whole movie because you can't uh, in my opinion you can't make a whole movie with him where he is at the end of guardians 3 yeah i thought cosmo was more interesting than either sean gunn or warlock yeah uh, 
and better written perhaps too maybe uh, it's i'm sure he had tons of choices even these are though these are negative things though still love the movie would watch it again would recommend it i'm having a hard time with all of the characters that are in the guardians of the galaxy now determining whether i like the is the is the best movie of the trilogy the first one Mm. or the third one but let we'll circle back to that at the end um we talked about the writing the other thing i was super impressed with was uh, i don't know if people like the cinematography or not i i loved it for a lot of reasons um first of all the, the first reason that i liked the cinematography and the shot selection and the lighting uh, was on the big screen when they did the close-ups it didn't look like you were like two inches away from their face with a macro lens of some kind looking up their nose hairs. It looked yeah. like it was like you were talking to the person, you know, I'm sorry, you can't see my hand. You know what I mean? Like, where are you? You over here? Yeah, something like this, right? So it felt that and it allowed the actors, all of them, um, to use their facial acting chops a lot. And yeah. I, I thought that was... Um, that was really good. The angles that they chose to, sh to show the star battles from were excellent, um, in my opinion. Like, you know, we got all these big battles. We got these super large ships. We got things. We got real things. We got a real scene with practical effects. But then we also have the CGI thing meshed in together. And we got to shoot in such a way so that we can see this ship shaking to come out of the Earth. Um We've got the whole series of the animals in the cages when they're not interacting. Like, it's, I don't know how they shot that. I'm assuming it's all CGI. It's got to be. It's got to be. Like, I, I've seen, I've watched over the shoulder of my kids when they're watching some of these kids' movies that have, like, dogs that talk, right? And they yeah. just CGI the mouth. So it's like a real dog, and they just have the mouth flapping, and it looks like garbage. Yeah, and that is. is not what we had here. Like, this is obviously, I mean... I don't know how you get Rocket as a young Rocket as a practical effect. Like, he's got to be full CGI top to bottom. And same with Teeps and... Well, they and just Flora use the de-aging technology that they're using in Indiana Jones on Rocket. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like, if I was going to do an outro bit, I would do yeah. the de-aging. Like, I'd have pictures of Rocket, you know, okay, de-age me. How, you know, doing yeah. the whole... Anyway. Um, yeah. But no, I agree. I think I think another really good point is like, yeah, the, the movie looks great. And, you know, we had the we joked about it after we came out of the theater. It was like that's that's what Disney money gets you. Yes. Right? And it does. I think it's I think it's Disney money plus care, right? It's not, oh, that's good enough. It's no no no. This needs to be better. So, and then you have like the so those animals, right? They all looked fantastic. The the practical effects of the of the citizens of counter earth right yeah. a lot of those things were looked to be practical effects there's a lot of sets there was a lot of big sets like when they're on nowhere at their like home base like that is a set right that's not all cgi are you sure i i'm pretty sure a large portion of that is like i think it's set. part i think it's it's back and forth i just want to add a third thing to that that i think there's three things that you brought up there there's a third thing one of them was definitely disney money what was the second one you said? Care. Pardon me? Care. Yeah. Care. Like, yeah. Care. And the third thing was, I don't think they interfered. The studio? I think that, you know, David Favreau and, you know, all of those guys 
John Favreau. Yeah, John Favreau. Sorry, David Zeslav. Boy, I'm getting my st- <laughs> studio execs all mixed up. Well, aren't they all the same? Um, <laughs> I, I think that um, they let James Gunn do his his bit, his homage, his farewell. They didn't want to, because they may be looking for jobs, and you know, they may need to get Gunn and Saffron to yeah to hire them, right? Yeah. I mean, because clearly I, they've forgotten how to write the fucking Mandalorian. Sorry. I think there's a level of success that directors get where they get a free pass. And it's it's a really interesting, like, dynamic, right? Like, you don't want to hit, like we've talked about before, George Lucas status where you just have yes-men surrounding you and you do whatever you say is like, like, you yeah. got to surround, and maybe that's on Lucas, maybe that's going to be on James Gunn to make sure he surrounds himself with people who are like, going to call him out. When it's like, oh man, that's a bad decision. Don't do that. Um, but then it's also like just above the the point where you have studio execs, you know, meddling in, and they're like, no, 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 don't do it that way. We um, we tested with audiences, and they like it this way. And it's like, just let the creators create, right? So yeah. I think he's he's gotten with this movie at least, like he's gotten to that level where it's like, Guardians of the Galaxy is a billion dollar franchise, billion dollar IP. Just let James Gunn be James Gunn. I mean, it's gonna work. People love them. The movies are great. Yeah, you touched on something else. I think that gives him a break that I should. I'd like to include, and that is, he has taken something that what that wasn't part of the IP in terms of making money, and made a metric f ton of money with it. No one, like I mentioned this before, no one knew of the Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy really before Guardians of the Galaxy one. People knew know about Batman and Superman, and they knew about Iron Man. I mean, they you know. Iron Man was was great. Wonder Woman. Those are those kind of people are are you know Aquaman are known, but yeah. nobody knew of Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm hoping this is what happens with Creature Commandos. I'm ho- totally. hoping this is what happens with uh, what's it called? The Authority. The Authority. Thank you. Um, I'm hoping that we we get that. Think of how you know the Golden Age will continue. You know, Marvel is. You know, Marvel's the Roman Empire, and they're fiddling while Rome, while you know Rome burned. And the meanwhile, we have this other empire, hope, hopefully building up, right? Yeah, totally. You know? I agree. So yeah, that was um, the conversation that me and Courtney had after the movie was like, "Oh, just um, a moment here. Uh, this uh, podcast is brought to you by Figuratively Speaking Minis. Where's she going to be coming up right away, Jeffrey? Uh, GameCon. GameCon, Calgary, Alberta." Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Great place to visit, especially in the summer. You can go to the mountains or an hour away. She's doing live in-person painting sessions. Get there. You'll love it. Trust me. Thank me later. Go ahead. You uh, and Courtney were talking. Yes. Me and the one and only were talking. Um, and basically about that idea, right? Like um, this whole idea of superhero fatigue. Is it happening? Is it already here? And... Uh, what does it look like going forward? Do we really need another Batman movie? Right? Yes. I mean, I would say yes. I'll take them all. But the general audience, does the general audience really want another Batman? And it's like, okay, you may have a point there, but that's why I'm so excited for Creature Commandos. I'm so excited for The Authority and Swamp Thing and these other characters that he's going to pull into this uh, first chapter of DC. And, you know, as far as we can tell, do great things with yeah i think we have to i'm going to well 
I'm at the point now where uh, unless you really, you know, screw up, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. If you've delivered before um, and given me that excellent um, experience, then I'm going to trust you again. The, the other thing perhaps that we haven't given gun enough credit for in all the stuff we've talked about is his dealing with issues and you talked about the dealing with the idea of abuse um and then also part of that abuse thing th there's also sort of you know the aliens coming to earth inversion story you know when they land on uh counter earth oh yeah right yeah, like yeah, he, yeah. It, you get the reversal of you know uh, speciesism racism whatever it may yeah. be so i think that was interesting and then there's the the one that trusts them and takes them into the home and it's pretty yeah. it's pretty funny um yeah. with things um the fact that drax can also speak languages you never yeah. asked oh yeah. like <laughs> i think the audience actually groaned or sighed yeah. or like you know um which kind of brings me to my, my another thing that I didn't love about it was like I, I get what they were going for in terms of let's portray the Guardians as like a family. So you have these scenes where they're bickering, right? You know, a brother sister type of bickering. But I felt it kind of was too much. It got to a point where I was like, hey, there has been too many scenes where everybody's just yelling at each other. And it's kind of funny. And it's, you know, it's. You know, like I said, as as a family would, a bickering brother and sister. But like, there's a scene where Drax and Mantis are yelling yeah. at each other, and then yeah. Gamora and Quill are yelling at each other, and then in the next scene we have the High Evolutioner. He's yelling at somebody, and it's like, okay, let's just dial that back. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that because um, the concept of family and bickering and characters that are together for a common purpose bickering seems to be creeping in to uh books as well i've noticed it in the last several audiobooks that i've listened to and i don't like it like i i just don't like it you know um i think you do those things if you haven't experienced them you know i he doesn't i can understand that you need to have a disagreement and an argument and you want to portray that in the movie right but that's this we didn't need that much of it in this movie um, it, I don't think that it advanced, uh, any of their characters anywhere, really. Like, I don't think, no. and I don't think it drove the plot forward. They were having an argument to show that they had an argument, which would be, in my opinion, one of the detriments. Now, having said that, how do you then, how do, if you don't have that, I guess I'm saying what you're saying in the sense that we didn't need as much of it, or yeah, at like, least break it up better. Yeah. Like, I think there's a, there's a... There's a better way to do it, and um, I would say. Uh, what do you got there? A cup full of candy. Be a Bella Bakery. Be a Bella Candies, actually. Um, I think you can have like two characters, especially characters like Drax and Mantis, uh, have that uh, sibling relationship, and not exactly be super buddy buddy with each other but in a different way that's not yelling at each other every scene you could have it as a snide remark a sarcastic remark um uh a comment under the breath and and then it builds to that 
climax of the frustration between the two, which we had and which was good to see, but that argument and that yelling needs to be the end result, not all the way along. Yeah, I, I agree. I just find it would be way more impactful that way. You're right. right. If you have if you have these outbursts of emotion of yelling at each other, and it, it just it, it, it great grates on you. Yeah, it, it becomes you're, less impactful. And I think that most people that have watched uh, watching the movie have seen things like that. And you don't need to. That's not a point you need to pound home. No. The suffering of the animals and what went on there. He interspersed that really well as a yeah. counterexample. Like we had the you know, the um, manipulation of the other animals and the deformation and, you know, them going insane, etc. And that, but it was interspersed with the happy times, in, the happy times in the cages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe I'm saying. So, um, yeah. What'd you, so, so uh, I think we've talked about theme and we've talked about the characters. Uh, we talked about the sets. I mean, this mixture of CGI, practical, um, and uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? And just re- live action. No. Yeah. Um, I think it's something that we're seeing more in movies, and we have a, a bunch of the directors that we like to thank for that. So mm-hmm. that's good. Um, what did you think of the costumes? Which may sound like a weird question, but I'm curious. Um, I liked... I. I didn't like the design of Groot. I prefer the design of Groot from like the first Guardians. Okay. And I liked I liked Teenager Groot too, but this I don't know. I, and it's kind of it kind of has to do with the uh, Christmas special because he was How in the so? well because in the Christmas special they used a a, a suit. It, it it wasn't CGI. It was a suit, and it just I don't know. It to me it doesn't translate well i don't like the design i don't think it looks good and it it looks like the suit and the suit looks like a goofy mascot at a sporting event right like there's no like the head looks separate from the body it looks foam padded it just i think the the design of groot and guardians one is just so good and they should have gone a little more in that direction i get like i've heard theories that and I think James Gunn has confirmed this, that this is not the same Groot. Like, he is, he is in a way, he's more like, I don't know how to describe it, a child or something like that. But Yeah, but he could, he, give me skinny Groot again. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like, mus- the, I didn't. The one design of Groot I did like is when he got blown up and he was just the head walking around. <laughs> didn't get blown up, he got, he got scraped down, right? Scraped down? Straight down on the side of the along the side oh, of the yeah, ship, right? So, yeah. I thought. Um, aside from that, yeah, the costumes I thought were good. Yeah, I thought the upgrades uh, was good. I thought the ship design, um, the big high evolutionary ship, for some reason reminded me um, a lot of Thor. Um, I just think the, the tall vaulted ceilings kind of thing um on asgard so i don't know why that leapt into my mind at that time but it sort of gave me that kind of feel um i loved the uh, palette like in terms yeah sorry we're talking about costumes so we talked about the cost the individual costumes on the guardians of the galaxy um i thought were good uh similar they but they were still upgraded 
Um, I don't think that Nebula... We got... I, I have to go back and look at one, but I think the Nebula costume in one I would have preferred, um, which okay. is which is good. Um, the, what about Nathan Fillion and the Stay Puff Marshmallow spacesuits? I mean, it's Nathan Fillion. The guy can do no wrong. That's okay. Yes. I mean, we got the Nathan Fillion civilian pavilion. Yes, here. we do. <laughs> Where we live, we actually have a place called that. Um, uh, but did you think that the spacesuits were among us? Oh my goodness, I didn't even think of that. That's hilarious. I haven't even played the game, and that's what first came to mind with the th with the shape of them, and they're floating oh, through the space. Totally, and they're the different colors. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what hilarious. I. Right, so yeah. that's what I thought it was going for. I don't know if it was a, a sidebar thing um, with everything that's I really going liked on. The high evolutionary's face, like that, was so well done. The on uh, the close-ups of that, yeah. Like I want to know how they did that. Oh, the makeup department needs an Oscar for that. And is isn't that a creature effect? Like it's I don't makeup. Know what it is. Like it's like that. I wonder if it's CGI. I don't think it is. I. It looked practical. Okay, you have homework, Jeffrey. I want to report <laughs> next episode. Was it CGI? Because I thought it was particularly brilliant. Yeah, I thought it was uh, so good. Uh -oh. And then if the computer, if we go off the air, it's because my cat jumped on the computer. Because Jaeger, my cat, is now hovering. Perhaps he'll make an appearance on the stream. Are you coming up, buddy? Just make All sure right. he doesn't shoot through the cords. Oh, it's a pretty kitty. Oh, it's a pretty kitty here. Yeah. Sorry, I now have a cat. Costumes uh, <laughs> are good. Yeah, I like them. Um. Uh. Now I'm going to bring up the topic that. That pissed me off the most. Right. The music. Yes, I, the music. I thought the song selection sucked. I just... And so... Like, I am yeah. so upset about it that I may go through the movie and find better songs. Rescore it? <laughs> well, I can't rescore it. I haven't got Disney money. <laughs> but really, James, come on. From that era, those are the songs you picked? Give me a freaking break, buddy. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna say no to Beastie Boys, but Beast, okay, I, I, tapping along, singing. I was there when that song came out. I'm fine with the Beastie Boys. I was fine with that one, but come on, like there are a billion other. Well, I shouldn't say a billion. There might be a billion. A billion other songs better than the ones he picked. Well, maybe not. There's not weren't a billion songs released then. It was you know back yeah, back. Yeah, not that many, but what's the matter, Jaeger? I know you like the Beastie Boys. Sorry. I um, think the uh, the music definitely wasn't the best of the three. Yeah, I think the first one for me was the best for the music. Yeah. Um, but, but that's like that's like a personal opinion, right? Oh, for sure, and that's what this show is about. We are the Armchair Cinephiles. We have a ton of personal opinions. Yeah. My cat is now tearing apart my new shirt. But like it's not like an objectively bad choice. Yeah, it's Which... bad. Sorry, it's it's bad. Jaeger, don't turn off the. Com <sighs> Sorry, the cat has actually turned off my computer in the middle of competitive games that I'm playing. It's. Ooh. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it is. I think there are parts that it is, but it still wasn't enough to wreck the movie. Right. But I I do think there were there were better selections. I mean, maybe he's got. I mean, personal indulgence. 
which I'm a big fan of for directors, which is why I might not have liked Sean Gunn's portrayal and acting in this, but I'm fine with it. I'm fine yeah. with his music choices because it's his personal choice and opinion. And I and think we need, you know, we've talked about this before. Let the creative people do the creative thing. Don't tell the creative people how to be creative because you're a studio exec. You have no clue. Right. Well, I guess, though, Gunn and Saffron no, are a studio exec. <laughs> mm, okay. But, like, you don't get Guardians 1, right? If you no. don't let James Gunn be James Gunn, right? So... And, and, you know, we've made that argument before. Yeah, sometimes you're going to get duds. It's going to happen. But you're not going to get the exceptional stuff. You're not going to get um, Starry Night without, like, having some duds in there. Yeah. I mean, um, which is, which is, I don't think that it was bad enough to take the ranking down. And right. um, in hindsight, it's not as bad as um, I thought it was. Because it was one of the things that pulled down where I thought the movie ranked in mm -hmm. my personal pantheon of movies. Um but looking back at it now with some reflection, it's, you know, I didn't like it. But I, I thought the editing was good. I'm not a huge guy who can pick out editing mistakes or anything. Um, yeah, unless they're glaring, then. Yeah. Um, and I'd have to go back. Editing something I can't really pick up on a first watch. I'm not really paying attention to it. If I went back and watched a certain movie couple of times then it, then i can start to pick out some bad editing but it's it's interesting because some of the trailers that we've talked about you've picked out editing things that you didn't like like the second like by the way there was a third flash trailer who was right yeah you got that one um so yeah um i guess that's the next movie we have to see yeah i think so oh man it's coming up real quick that's like a week away a week away, a week away. Um, yeah. yeah, it will be good. We should try and... I wonder what that room costs at that landmark theater. I liked that Peter and Gamora didn't end up together. Yes, I thought they did that really well. And normally, I don't like it when those things come together. Like, there's a, there's a bittersweetness to it. So I thought that was good. Really good, actually. It's... Uh... <laughs> It's you know that's another subplot, right? It's is Peter's kind of heartbreak story and getting over. I don't know if he gets over Gamora so much at the end as kind of accepts um, that this isn't the same Gamora, and he's got to move on. I think it's more of he's accepting Mantis's advice, and he has to go back to Earth. I like I forget what her line was. Yeah. I can't remember what she said. Oh, we're going to have to do uh, a lines or milk. Yeah. So, um, well, you mean Mantis's line? Yeah. Mantis says you have a grandfather that's still alive. You have. We are your family, but you have real family left on Earth, and you haven't been back to see them. Yeah. I, it's along those lines, right? This is what she, which you know. like makes um, the ending of the movie good, in my opinion. Right. Like you have the the disassembly of this team, right, and. I thought it was a really good way to end the trilogy um, in terms of this group, right? You don't have to kill people off to, to have it end. No, but it you can, can kill them of, off. You can, and that works. Which, by the way, I was I was about to walk out of the theater if if Quill died going back for the Zune on the, the High Evolutionary ship. Like, he turned around, grabbed the Zune music player, and then ends up in the middle of space and almost dies. And I'm like, if he dies, 
because he went back for that thing. I'm going to lose it. Okay, so in that whole sequence, <laughs> I hate it when I do this sometimes. In that whole sequence, <laughs> he's in the space, he's freezing. Oh, looks almost exactly like Princess Leia. Yeah. I also didn't know, like, where's his helmet? Did he lose that thing? He didn't turn it on. We conveniently forgot about it. Yeah, it's an like, ear, it's a, what? Yeah, he's done it before. Jumps into space, turns the helmet on. He gave it to Gamora one time so that she could survive. Like, what? where was that thing? Did I miss something? No, nah, we, ju we just nod and winked. Okay. I think that's what... Okay. Unless, we, unless we've missed something and he's lost the helmet. I could be forgetting that he may have lost it in, I don't know, Endgame or the Christmas special. But know. why wouldn't he have it replaced? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it seems odd that he didn't have it. So, that's... That's all. Um, super glad that it got released. I I did not object to the length of it, like I said. Um, it's a great movie. Any closing thoughts you got? That's all I got. I can't wait. You know what? Maybe you and Courtney should do a, like a one-on-one -on -one 60 minutes interview on Guardians of the Galaxy. Because <laughs> she had some pretty strong you know, thoughts coming out of that. It might be fun yeah. to, to, to do that. This has been the Armchair Cinephiles review of Guardians of the Galaxy three. Uh, thanks for thanks for watching, and we'll be next back next time with it's either going to be Spider Man or we're going to go back to the Mandalorian. Um, we'll let you know at a future date. Take care.